Let's talk about debt, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about debt. I know people are probably coming on to hear us today because they think we're going to be talking about money and debt. And while we may talk about the relationship it has with this topic I'm about to mention, I know you and I both can relate in this topic that we're going to talk about today. Yes. It's a fun one. It is. It's fun. It's like I get excited just thinking about the word. Me too. It's so yummy. So we're talking about food today. So for our (laughs) listeners, Tiffany and I are both foodies, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, I plan trips around food. A same. Yeah, same. it's that bad. So I'm super excited because we've invited Grace here today from ableliving.co. And I know that's not, that's her actual handle on Instagram, which you should follow, by the way. It's amazing. You'll learn so much. I get tips every day from her. But she is a nutritionist in Sarasota. Mm-hmm. And so if you'll share a little bit with our audience, Grace, about what it is that you do, what your company does, but we are super excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. Thank you both. I'm excited to be here. I've been listening to Life After Debt, awesome. so I'm enjoying oh, thank and you. so just honored to be on an episode. Um, so yes, my name's Grace Lopez. I'm out of Tampa, Florida. Uh, my husband and I are there, husband of seven years, Gabe. We're both very entrepreneurial. Yes, um, and I want to say something to that really quick. Gabe actually is the one that brought Jackie to life. His company in Tampa, Brave People, which coolest place ever, coolest team. Um, <laughs> I basically came to them, dumped my brain out on the table. Wow. And they brought Jackie to life. So. I love it. So Go fun. Ahead. So yeah, lots of history there. Um, so yes, Gabe and I are doing lots of entrepreneurial ventures, but my thing is really um, dietetics, nutrition. I work as a registered dietitian and I work virtually. So I get to work with women all over the place, which is really fun. Um, but Able Health and Wholeness is my private practice and I work from an intuitive eating approach. So that word is mm. kind of becoming a buzzword, but a lot of people are unsure what that actually means. But just to break it down simply, it's a philosophy around nutrition that is really working from a self-care framework. Mm. So when you think about dieting, right? You think about like self-disgust, right? Like just failure. Exactly. (laughs) Very all or nothing, very extreme. Um, But when we work from an intuitive intuitive eating approach, it's really about coming from a self-care framework. So saying, what does my body need? And how can I go about meeting those needs appropriately, timely, um, and making sure I have what I need to thrive? And so I love this perspective, working with women, because women are coming from chronic dieting. Yeah. Like, dieting's not an isolated incident. Like, it happens over and over and over again. Totally. So, it's about breaking away from that cycle and really working on your relationship with food and body. And it's so freeing. It's amazing. That's so interesting. And I can't wait to dive into it a little bit more. I know for myself, I've always found that I'm an emotional eater. Mm -hmm. And so being able to recognize that in myself and say, okay, I'm an emotional eater. It's just the way I am. Right. Um, I've never dieted. I I know this sounds crazy to even say that out loud because of that. Like as soon as someone tells me I can't do something, I'm an eight. (laughs) Right. Uh, It's on. Don't tell me I can't have something. Yeah. So I love your approach. It seems very holistic and it seems Mm -hmm. actually freeing because all the diets, you know, you feel like such a failure. Absolutely. It's so, impossible to stick with. It's, this is you're, you're setting yourself up for to fail on a diet, right? Exactly. No one stays on a diet forever. Right. Absolutely. So, right. Yeah. It's more of a lifestyle, right? Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you think about diet culture, that word is thrown around a lot. Like, yes. it's a lifestyle. It's not a diet. But you're like, it is actually a diet. <laughs> totally. With that slapped on it. But this is actually, truly 
I think at the core, it's moving away from from that diet cycle and really working on things like emotional eating. That's a big part of your relationship with food. I'm with Amber. So I'm an emotional eater. Like I, I find myself, we were just talking about it before we started, and I find myself um, if I get stressed or something, I'm not picking up a carrot, right? right. I'm, I'm going in the pantry. Not the most comforting. No, food. no. I'm I'm looking for the sweet. Where's mm-hmm. my cookies? You know, my my double stuffed Oreos. But uh, I'm looking for that kind of food. And then afterwards, you have like a guilt. Mm-hmm. So you said dietitian. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell our audience like what is a dietitian? Like what do you do exactly? And how sure. how does that go? I love that question because so many people don't know what is a registered dietitian. We're in the age of social media, so everyone's an expert, right? It's like Mm -hmm. everyone's Mm -hmm. out there telling you what to eat. (laughs) And I think that can be really confusing for people too because it's like, where do I go for that sound Mm -hmm. nutrition advice? Where do I go and know that I'm not being like pointed in the wrong direction? Which unfortunately, you know, happens a lot on social media. Mm -hmm. There's there's pros and cons, but a registered dietitian is really that expert voice in the field of nutrition. So, I mean, nutritionist is not really a protected, like a legally protected term. Anyone can kind of say, hey, I'm a nutritionist. Like, I like to talk about food. But a registered dietitian is truly that legally protected professional in the area of nutrition. So, we go to school for four years or four to six years to study dietetics. And then we go through a year-long internship of working under dietitians in the field. So in hospital settings, outpatient, inpatient, community, all sorts of different areas of helping people mm. with their with their nutrition. Oh. And then from there, we sit for a board exam. And it's a, a big exam that you do a lot of studying for. And once you pass that exam, you get registered. And then it's continuing education from there, which really I think is important to know because nutrition is such a young science. Mm-hmm. That's why there's a little bit of confusion around nutrition because it's constantly updating and changing. And so I think it's really important that you know who that sound voice is that you can rely on for that evidence-based advice. So that's what a a dietitian does. I love explaining it because many people don't know. That's such a uh, good view. And there's such a line of demarcation between Mm -hmm. someone who calls themselves a nutritionist. I never knew that. Sure. So it's great to hear. I also am curious, like, did you always know you wanted to be you know, a registered dietitian, like as a kid? No, I didn't. I was thinking about, um, as a kid, like playing entrepreneur. (laughs) I always knew I wanted to have a business. I used to have like in our cellar in Rhode Island, like I'd be down there in like the dark cold cellar, like with this little setup store that I was running. I don't even know what the business was, but you know, it was my business, you know? Right, right. And so I think I always had an itch to to entrepreneurship, but um, but this really developed later on. I was in a full-time ministry role, actually, and um, I was working with people from a ministry standpoint, yeah. helping in a lot of ways. Um, and I got to a place where I was really—I had such an interest in nutrition and movement and things of that sort. I grew up in a very, like, health-conscious home, I would say, which— there's good things and bad things now that I'm kind of on this side of things I can pull away from that. But I was very interested. And um, I found myself wanting to leave that ministry role and go get educated Mm. in this area so that I could really help people with this part of their life. Mm -hmm. I think we talk about spiritual health and how important that is. But God cares about our bodies and our soul and our mind too. And all of those need to be healthy. And I found myself, and, and maybe this is for someone who's listening too, in that ministry setting where like, my body was at its least healthy state Mm. because I was just wearing myself, like serving others, which is great. But like, if you can't sustain that, there's, 
you know, long, yeah. no longevity to it. That's so right. I just kind of developed a heart for helping people get healthy from all angles. And you said earlier, like that whole person, holistic mm-hmm. approach, mm-hmm. and that really is my heart behind what I do. It's helping people be healthy so that they can live their life fully and live out that calling yes. with longevity. Yeah, that is so good. I have had this theory for so many years. In fact, it's a business idea I've had in my head. Yeah. I always wanted to create a gem and call it the temple because, mm. you know, God refers to our bodies as, as the temple, temple of the yeah. Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And when you think about just that verbiage, mm-hmm. why are we okay with putting in all this food and creating this space that I wouldn't invite my 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 worst enemy into it right. because it's I feel so ooey about it, right? Yeah. But yet, even in the church, I think you being in ministry and you see what an opportunity. And and by the way, don't discount the fact you're still in ministry. Absolutely. You're, you're yeah. just taking a different approach, approach. with it, which mm. I love. Yeah. Because there's so many biblical truths even behind the things that we feed our body and what we can give to others based on how we feel about ourselves. Totally. So that is so powerful. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we look at this and we think about it, um, I look at my own life and I think about all the stuff that I that I have done and I love the natural perspective. Yeah. So I I grew up and we were into nutritionals and I'm always interested in the anti-aging and the looking younger and sure. doing it through your foods and and so I'm always been intrigued with that and I I go to um, I go to like a new a nutritionist or yeah. not a nutritionist but like a naturalist. Yep. So um, kind of the same not the same thing, but Mm -hmm. she does a lot of the homeopathic and natural ways. Um, Just describe to us, like if I, you know, were to come, like, how would that go? Is it a certain diet? Is it one for all? Mm -hmm. Or is it just depending on the person Mm -hmm. on how you how you prescribe necessarily like the nutrition? Yeah. So there's a couple angles from it. I work from a group perspective. So I work with women um, in that intuitive eating framework, really working on their relationship with food. So that's an interesting okay. um, approach in that it's a bit more about how you relate to food. We definitely talk about nutrition and and how to fuel your body in appropriate ways so that you're thriving. So is it more about the food or is it more about how you think about the food? A little bit of both. Okay. Yeah, absolutely okay. both. Um, so when we work in that group framework, it really is uh, encompassing all of that. I do work one-on-one as well. So to speak to kind of your question a little bit more, um, there is an individualized approach. Absolutely. And I think that's where we're looking at lab work and we're looking at what is your body lacking or what does it need more of, or how is your body working? Is there something that's not quite working as it should? How do we, um, how do we feel your body in a way that's going to help your body do what it needs to do best? Do most people have the same issues, do you find? Or do you find that, uh, you know, each person is individualized on their issues? I would say it's very individualized. It is. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some common things. Like I work with a lot of women who have, you know, hormonal issues like insulin resistance Mm -hmm. or something related to PCOS is really a very popular diagnosis with women, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Those kinds of things pop up a lot, but of course, every person is different. And I think most people don't really know where they're at, you know? So if you're, if you haven't had blood work done or haven't talked to someone about, you know, nutrition and how it applies to you at this stage of life, I think it's always a good checkpoint to go ahead and look at that because I will say doctors get like two weeks of nutrition. So your doctor's probably not the best person to, unless they're a naturopath, like you're talking about who specializes in nutrition. Most general doctors aren't going to give you a lot of great nutrition advice. Right. I've received some really ter- terrible <laughs> advice. I'm not anti-doctor. I'm just saying work with a team. Work with a, mm-hmm. a, a uh, excuse me, 
work with a dietitian as well and um, and get that sort of full team approach. I totally agree and with that. And PCOS, you brought that up. And it's yeah. funny that you just mentioned it because mm-hmm. my naturopath just mentioned it to me Tuesday. Yeah. And I had never heard of that whatsoever. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting that we're sitting here and you're talking about that. Do a lot of women have more hormonal issues or do you find that uh, it's more about, you know, their the way they see the food? Yeah, I would say, I always say probably every woman could benefit from working on our relationship with food because we mm-hmm. live in such a diet culture. There sure. is so much we can, we can comb through there and there's totally. a lot of healing that can happen. So I mean, most women are a great candidate in that sense. On the hormonal side, I would say, I mean, we are seeing numbers grow. Like 10% of women are diagnosed with PCOS right now. So that's a growing number. And and like you said, most people wouldn't know that they have it unless they start digging and trying to figure out what's going on. Or or some people run into it, you know, with fertility issues and things like that. So I think we live in a a world where there's a lot happening in our environment that is affecting our hormones. So thyroid issues as well as another one that we'll see pop up a lot. Absolutely. And that is one thing that I, I don't even know that I've ever shared is that I have a, uh, a thyroid issue, mm-hmm. Hashimoto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you familiar with that as yeah, well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When they actually, I had blood work done and somebody, the lady, she said, oh, do you know, I had no idea. Sure. I know, do you know you have Hashimoto? And I'm like, What? Like, I mean, it sounds like, what are you talking about? I've never even heard of such a thing. I thought she was making it up. I had to go Google it, like, immediately. (laughs) I didn't know. Right. So. And I think that the thing about diagnosis and and nutrition is that sometimes there's, like, a lot of shame that comes along with, like, Mm. receiving a diagnosis. Like, I did this to myself. And I think that's important to note is that there's still, like I said, nutrition is an ongoing science. There's still a lot of research going on around a lot of these conditions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't know why. Right. And I think that's important to note, too, is just because diet is so laced with shame that also, like, when you get lab work back, my approach is really like, let's just look at it and see what we can do. We can't control everything, but let's see what we can do Mm -hmm. and how we can be proactive to support our bodies. That's awesome. That's so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the group approach I think that you take gives Mm -hmm. a level of accountability. Absolutely. And when people hear other people share and it sounds similar to their story, they feel comfortable sharing and they feel normal. Yes. So I love that your approach allows for that open communication and getting a, a group of women together they're like, okay, it's not just me. Or yep, I, I'm, totally. But I do have to confess to you something. Yeah. But And I, I would not normally do this. But <laughs> I am such a foodie. I've never been on a diet. But I definitely, obviously, I own cupcake stores. Right. So at one time, I don't anymore, <laughs> but I did. I love sweets, yeah. right? Yeah. But I, I find that there's this lull in the day. And I go through seasons. Like, I went through a season, Grace, if I'm being honest. I would go home every day. Mm-hmm. And I would probably have at least three... Reese's Big Cups when they first came out. I I would power them down. It got to one point to where I had taken down like eight in one setting. It's like, what is going on? I'll do this for a certain amount of time and then I'll hit a wall and I'm like, I'm done. The end. No more Big Cups. Haven't had one since. (laughs) Or Big Cups. It's awful. But right now, my thing is cookie cake. And I have no idea why. This has been going on for probably three or four months. I have a cookie cake at my house at all times. I have to have it every single day. Even on the cruise, when we got back and we were coming back from the airport, I literally told my husband, we have to stop at Publix after you get a cookie cake. <laughs> like, what is wrong with me? Oh, my goodness. So it's crazy that we all have mm-hmm. these things that we don't share, don't talk about. But yeah. sugar is awful for you. I know that. Yeah. You know, I, I do intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. not because it's a diet, but because it just works for me. Right. Yeah. And so... 
but and I exercise. And so my theory is, which I know you'll be able to speak to this, is that it doesn't matter what I eat, as long as I get on that Peloton for an hour, I will burn everything off. <laughs> right, right. So what do you say to those women who kind of like say, it's okay, I'll eat it and then I'll just work it off? Yeah. I love that question because it's it's kind of touching on the all or nothing approach. So when we think about all or nothing, it's like I'm either having eight Reese's cups totally. or I'm not having any. Right. Or, you know, I'm I'm really, really conscious or mm-hmm. I'm just like off the rails. Right. <laughs> and that is so, so very common. And I think finding the gray, I, mm-hmm. I call it, like when we think about black and white thinking, like finding that gray or finding that middle ground can be super uncomfortable. We're so used to all or nothing, right. like in our society. It, sure. Society or diet culture, I should say, gives us such extremes mm-hmm. that you really do. You either fall into your following all the extremes or you're not. Right. You're just like fed up with it and you're doing your own thing. And so I think that finding middle ground and finding gray mm-hmm. is super uncomfy, but it's possible. Okay. It's totally like possible. That. And I think it, it comes with, with a sense of balance. So for example, I'll, I'll share something similar. I want to, you know, <laughs> I'm there with you. I had a season when I was working a clinical job seeing tons of patients in a day and I would leave. I would have a very short lunch. I would work like doing my notes mm-hmm. and, and just, you know, eat my lunch really quick, but I would barely eat. And I would leave work and every day I'd get to this stoplight right before I was about to pull into where my home was. And <laughs> it was like, if I would take a left, I could go to Publix and, and I would I was thinking yeah. about salivating about mm-hmm. cake. Mm-hmm. Like I cake. want one of those, just, you know, they'll sell that little totally. piece of cake. I'm like, I know exactly. I right. want to go to Publix right and get that cake. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm sitting there at the light and I mean, for weeks this was happening. I was like, I want to pull a left. And some days I would, and some days I'd go home. But I, I was talking to one of my girlfriends one day on the way home from work and she's a dietitian as well. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on with me, but like, I want cake like every single day. And she was like, well, let's talk about, <laughs> she starts doing a little assessment <laughs> with me. She's like, well, let's talk about like what your day looks like. Like, what are you eating in the morning? And I'm like, well, I don't really eat breakfast because I'm so stressed about work that like, if I eat breakfast, I'll like have to use the, the bathroom as soon as I arrive at the <laughs> office. I'm like, I don't, I don't have breakfast. And then I, I just eat this tiny lunch while I'm writing my notes. And she's like, well, Grace, like your blood sugar is like so low. Whoa. Your body is like, feed me. And it's like the first thing that you want is something high sugar mm. that is going to give you energy. Up, up, yes. And here's mm-hmm. where I think this is a huge takeaway when we think about how we care for our bodies, how we fuel our bodies. Our bodies are working for us. They're not against us. And this whole idea that like my body's trying to trick me. What's it doing? Right. It wants me to eat again. It's like, because it needs to eat. Mm. And like you have very wow. low blood sugar right now okay. and you're in survival mode and your body's actually have, has some wisdom there to know like, hey, if you eat this really high sugar, fat right. food, it's going to sustain you right. like at least for a little bit totally. and give you the burst you need. So anyhow, when I just <laughs> took a moment to think about it, I was like, wow, I am in the all or nothing right now. I'm barely eating. And so when I eat, all I want is sugar. <laughs> so, do you, so do you recommend... Um, do you recommend like eating more like, or do you recommend like the, you know, we talk about the intermittent, there's so many things right now. Yes. So, right. You got keto, intermittent fasting, you've got paleo, you got yeast free, you got p- full protein. Like there's so many things and you're like, what do I do? What do I do? Or you eat this much a day, three times a day, and that's sold to you so much. And then you got the food pyramid or <laughs> do, do I eat six times a day? And yeah. or is it, is there a better way? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about listening to our bodies, identifying mm-hmm. needs and getting those needs met, essentially self-care, mm-hmm. the idea is tuning in and listening to our body, what, what our body's saying. And okay. so our bodies are innately pretty 
amazing at telling us when to eat, but because we cover that up so much Mm -hmm. with diets and trends of sorts, we become a bit numb to those cues. So a lot of what I do in in the group program setting and with one-on-ones is really getting back in touch with your body and learning how to listen to those cues. We use a hunger scale. So if you can imagine one to 10, one being I'm so hungry I can barely climb the flight of stairs like I'm I'm about to pass out. That was me last night. Yeah, yes. we've all been there. In 10, like Thanksgiving full, like unbuttoned, like I'm not moving, like so, so stuffed. <laughs> That's a spectrum, right? And then you have sort of your midpoints, like three to seven. Three is very comfortably hungry, but you're not like going crazy about it. And seven is like very content. Like, you know, you could eat more, but if you stopped here, you're, you're fine. And so we use that as a tool to figure out where's your body at and mm. what do you need? Mm. So if I'm at a four, my brain might start, you know, if you're ever just working and you're like, oh, wow, potatoes sound really good tonight. Like I want to incorporate potatoes. <laughs> you know, like if you just ever have like a really slight, not like an extreme craving, right. that might happen at a two or a one. But at a four, you might be like, oh, wow, potatoes sound good and just kind of carry on. But that's actually a great moment at a four. So I work from home a lot. That's a moment if I'm starting to like have lingering food thoughts of like, oh, I should probably get up right now and start prepping something to eat so that I don't fall into that. What I call like the dangerously hungry of a two or a one where I'm going to eat cookies for lunch because I'm in survival mode and I can't really control my decision making at that point. So there is so much peace in that when we start to honor our cues, whether that's hunger or fullness there's such a sense of control that comes. And Mm. I talk about two different types of control, like a fear control, like Mm -hmm. I have to control everything and I have to be on a diet or a control of like, wow, there's a lot of self-control here because I'm honoring my body and it's operating like in its optimal design. (laughs) So good. That is good. I'm going to use that, especially because it's like fantasizing or romanticizing about food or what I'm going to have for dinner. And I should take that as the first sign that instead of waiting till three o'clock, which by the way, I'm going to call you on my way home now (laughs) before I pull into Publix. But instead of doing that, like having something smaller at that point Mm -hmm. so that I'm not even, my body isn't craving anything when I'm driving home. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That is really good. Real good. Mm -hmm. So I would like to know personally, because I know people, especially people who listen to our podcast, you know, they're dealing with debt. And I don't know how debt affects emotional eating. Mm -hmm. I know it firsthand. Mm -hmm. But I also know that people who are struggling with debt don't necessarily have the money to go to Whole Foods and to these expensive grocery stores and spend a lot of money. They're the ones going through McDonald's because it's the cheapest or Mm -hmm. fast food. So what would you say to those people who financially they feel like or they've told themselves this lie that I can't eat good because I don't have enough money to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for one, it's it's not unusual, like you said, to be in an emotional eating state when you're going through like crisis of any type, type mm-hmm. whether it's financial or something else, because right. stress, you are driven to want to make yourself comfortable That's or right. distracted. Yeah. So yeah, very, very normal. And yes, people who are listening, you are not alone. Like that is so important to know because I think people find it to be a shameful area that you can't really talk about. And yeah, it's so very normal. Comfort in food is is quite normal. Like you said, a carrot <laughs> doesn't quite do it. <laughs> um, but I would say if you are in that place, a couple of things. One, I love that you've been talking about Dave Ramsey a little bit because 
You know, of course, I've been through the financial piece and all of that. There's great well, takeaways. Well, God bless but... you. There are great takeaways. <laughs> but it doesn't mention food. Yeah. So it's not yeah. necessarily um it's not necessarily all all right on point there. Right. But one of the things I think of when I think of Dave Ramsey is he says, like, go into rice and beans mode. Like mm-hmm. That's you just right. need to eat rice and beans. And you know, right. someone like me, like I'm like, give me the lines and I'll color in them. Like I like to know the rules and yeah. I will follow them. <laughs> so You're a rule follower. I'm a rule follower. What number are you on the Enneagram? A one. A one. <laughs> I don't even know what a one is. Oh like I goodness. haven't heard that one yet. Yeah, it's basically the rule follower. Oh, so yeah. uh, so like there's a right way and a wrong way. Yeah. So for me though, but and, and if anyone else is listening and relates, it's like if 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 that's the rule, like eat cornflakes and rice and beans and like save your money, then that's you know what I'll do, but I think actually there is mm. something to to take away from nutrition being so important, having such a connection to our mental health, having such a connection to our overall well being and mm-hmm. mood and all of that. Not to necessarily lean so heavily into like the just eat rice and beans, like don't really prioritize nutrition while you're in this type of crisis, because actually I think supporting yourself with good nutrition and and thoughtful, mindful nutrition can be a great tool mm-hmm. when you're going through a lot. Um, right. Financially and from a stress standpoint. So I would say, A, keep it a priority. Like mm-hmm. you said, non-negotiables in one of the other episodes. Right. I think let nutrition be a non-negotiable for you in yeah. some sense, but keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not everybody needs to shop at Whole Foods. I think, you know, yeah. especially in the age of information and social media, it's like everything has to be organic. And sure, if you can buy organic, great. But if you can't, that's okay. You can still eat a nutritionally sound diet Mm -hmm. without having to do everything organic. You can wash it really well. That's great. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, I think there is, again, it's getting away from all or nothing thinking Mm -hmm. because I think that the trap in all or nothing thinking here is, well, I don't have the money to go to Whole Foods. And so it's just McDonald's every day for me. You know, and it's like, there is some middle ground there and it's going to take a little bit more effort to find that middle ground. But there's amazing 30 minute meal recipes online that are, easy. Feed a family for $2 per plate or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of free resources online in that sense. Um, And so I think it's, it's getting a little bit creative, but also knowing that I like to frame the time in the kitchen as a time of self-care. So if you feel really overwhelmed with nutrition while you're going through a lot financially, I think just reminding yourself, Hey, this is 30 minutes I'm taking out for myself today to really do something for me. Mm. And I, I need that right now. Like that's going to help me be in a better state of mind. Mm -hmm. And I need that. That is so good. I love that. What a gift too, that you're giving yourself that long-term, even being able to give you the clarity of mind to walk through that season with better nutrition will provide. So that's so good. So just because we're wrapping up here, can you tell the audience, Grace, the best way to get in touch with you? How can Mm -hmm. they work with you? How can they be part of these amazing groups? Yeah. Um, what if they have a cookie cake addiction and they need to find up <laughs> sooner than later? Like, yeah. how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at ableliving.co. That's my website. And I do offer a free 30-minute clarity call. So it's a great way to connect and figure out if this is the route for you. We can chat through what you're dealing with and talk about solutions. Um, I'm also at ableliving.co on Instagram. So that's a, a great follow, like Amber said, for free tips and things of that nature. Um, so yeah, send me a DM if you listen to this and I'll send you some resources just to get you going. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I know I've learned a lot and I haven't heard one diet mentioned or one specific food item, by the way. I just want to mention that. It is. It is incredible. Hopefully refreshing. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I think my biggest takeaway would too would be the, uh, the gray area. 
mm-hmm. there's a gray area mm-hmm. for everything. So like it doesn't have to be one way or another, but you can be right in that middle and still be doing the right thing for your body. So totally. very yeah. good. So nice to meet you. Thanks so for nice being here. Here, Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you soon. See you.